Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, brought to you by the new First Truly Johnny Dollar comic book series from Green Archer Comics. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you're enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. Have you ever thought about who Johnny Dollar would be taking on today? Cyber criminals are the modern thugs and mobsters who filled the stories of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And just like those criminals, cyber criminals operate in a space where regular law enforcement can't always touch them. Green Archer Comics thinks Johnny Dollar is the perfect person to take on cyber criminals. They created a comic book series in which he does just that. The first issue is available and they've launched a crowdfunding campaign to print the second issue. Visit johnnydollar.io today to purchase the first issue and to help bring the second issue to publication. Let's show the world how many yours truly Johnny Dollar fans there are. Remember, that's johnnydollar.io, and again, thanks so much for your support. Now, let's get into this week's Yours Truly Johnny Dollar serial. As always, we will be playing episodes 1 and 2 today, and then episodes 3, 4, and 5 on Friday. If you are minded to listen to the whole serial together, then you can go ahead and pause the podcast now. And then listen to the rest of it on Friday, along with episodes 3 through 5. The original air dates are July 2nd and 3rd, 1956, and it's the Midas Touch Matter episodes 1 and 2. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Pat McCracken, Universal Adjustment Bureau. Oh, hi, Pat. This is my third call. Where have you been? Out buying some tackle. Want to go fishing? Fishing? Yeah, I'm heading down to New York State. Esopus River, maybe the beaver kill. Try to snag myself some nice trout. And Patsy, my fishing is one thing you aren't going to interfere with. Wouldn't think of it. But why don't you try Lake Mojave? Huh? Where's that? Along the Colorado River, out between Nevada and Arizona. What? Sure, be the guest of greater southwest insurance and liability. What are you talking about? I don't know how you'd value those Esopus River trout. There's a fish out there that may be worth three million bucks. Johnny? I'll be right over. Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Greater Southwest Insurance and Liability Company, Kingman, Arizona office. Following is an accounting of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Midas Touch matter. Expense account item one, cab fare from my apartment to the Universal Adjustment Bureau, 8242 North Spring. 
When I got there, Pat McCracken was standing holding the door of his office open for me. Come on in, Johnny, but don't bother sitting down. Now, what's that supposed to mean? It means you haven't got time, you all pack. Oh, you bet I am. For a trip to the Esopus and some of those pretty rainbows in Eastern Brook Trout. Got a new lure oil called Fast Strike I want to try out. I hear it's great. Sorry, but if there's going to be any actual fishing, it's going to be for Lake Mojave Bass. Says you. Here, here are your plane tickets. Here to New York, nonstop to Los Angeles, and out to Las Vegas. And there you'll have to go to Kingman, Arizona by car. Slow down, boys. Slow down. Man to see in Kingman is Jake Kessler at Southwest Whoa, Insurance. Oh, Pat. Yeah? You mind telling me what it's all about? The Midas touch mine. New racket in uranium? I said Midas. Gold mine. Oh, sure. Well, uh, what's the insurance angle? Ask Jake Kessler when you get to Kingman. Well, but you can at least tell Look, me what... you've only got 20 minutes to catch your plane to New York. You mean if I decide that... And I'm... with a million and a half dollars, maybe three million at stake, nobody's going to quibble too much over your expense account. Uh, maybe I should take a crack at those Lake Mojave bass. <laughs> expense account items two and three, two ninety even, a handful of American Express traveler's checks, and cab fare back to my apartment for my luggage. Then to the airport from my plane to New York to Las Vegas, Nevada. It was 11.30 p.m. when the big plane slowly glided down out of the clear starlit sky. And unless you've seen the millions, billions of stars that twinkle brightly through the clear, dry air over the Mojave Desert, you've missed a real thrill. We glided down toward the landing strip on the edge of the town of Las Vegas. From the air, the myriad multicolored lights made the fabulous resort sparkle like a field of jewels. Item 4, 30 cents phone calls to car rental agencies. They were all closed. Item five, 65 cents per cab to the Flamingo Hotel, where I decided to spend the night and drive on to Kingman in the morning. Item six, hotel overnight, food and uh, incidentals, $178.30. If you know Las Vegas, you know what that word incidentals means. Fifteen odd and black. Place your bets, please. There we go. I'll say this much. I tried to make some expense money on the side, but, uh, well, I guess I shouldn't have tried to cover so many of the gambling joints. If I'd stayed at the Flamingo, where I'd always made me a buck or two at the casino. But this time, Lady Luck just wasn't on my side. Anyway, well... Item $750, deposit on a rental car the next morning. I headed south and east toward Kingman, Arizona. First stop, Hoover Dam, where that tremendous hunk of steel and masonry straddles the Nevada-Arizona state line. And I took a brief but longing look at what I could see of Giant Lake Mead. I wanted to stay right there, break out my fishing tackle, and take a crack at some of the huge lunker bass for which Lake Mead is famous. But duty is duty, or something. Anyhow, I hit the highway again across the hot, dry desert toward the city of Kingman. At this time of year, at this time of morning, the thermometer hits the 100 mark without any trouble at all. And the occasional swimming pools and motels outside Kingman look pretty inviting. But I drove straight to Jake Kessler's insurance office on East Palm Drive. Oh, hi. You must be Dollar. It's a good name. Come on in. Jake was tall, angular, well-tanned, and dressed in blue jeans, open denim shirt, high-heeled boots, and broad-brimmed hat. He looked as though he'd be more at home on a range pony than in this insurance office. All right, Dollar, let me tell you what this is all about. Okay, thanks, Mr. Kessler. Jake, you want the folks around town to think I'm putting on airs? Okay, Jake. <laughs> By the way, Johnny, I hope you didn't make any arrangements to stay right here in Kingman, did you? No, my bags are still out in the car. Hey, good, I got a place waiting for you down at Catherine Landing. What's that? Lake Mojave Resort's what they call it now. It's 
Nice cabins, good restaurant, nice people right down at the edge of the lake. Too bad you aren't a fisherman. Well, uh, I uh, just happened to have brought along a couple of rods and reels. Good boy, then you'll love it. Buster Favor down there will show you spots where you can haul in the prettiest mess of largemouth bass you ever saw. Five, six pounds, maybe more. Oh, stop making my mouth water, Jake. I'm supposed to be here working on a case. Well, every man's entitled to a little time off for fishing. And you look like you could stand some. Brother, you are killing me. Listen, Pat McCracken at Universal Adjustment Bureau said something about a gold mine. Uh, yeah, I contacted Pat because I knew he'd know where to find you. It's the Midas Touch Mine, Johnny. And it's right down that neighborhood where you'll be staying. Well? The mine was abandoned back in the early 30s. Worked out, apparently. But about a year ago, hard luck Dennis took another look at it. Who's he? Dennis? Yeah. Prospector, promoter. Here and there, Arizona, Nevada, California, he's found himself an old mine, pecked away at it, and managed to scratch out a fair living for himself. You said promoter. Yeah, well, that was in Texas, mostly. Never was able to get the full story, but it appears he got some folks to invest in some kind of phony oil stock down there a couple of years ago and had to skip out. Couldn't have been too serious, though, because the law never bothered chasing him up here. Or else he was able to make things look legal enough. Could be, could be. Anyhow, he's been back in this country for a while now, poking around the hills, looking for the big strike again. You know how prospectors are. Yeah, I've heard. Finally, a while back, he started prowling around the old Midas Touch. First thing you know, he'd got a lease on it. Well, I still don't see the insurance connection. You will. You will. And you won't like it. Okay, go on. Well, next thing we knew, he'd got a report on some ore samples he'd brought into town here at the assay office. Johnny? Well, you wouldn't believe it. Good, huh? Johnny, it looked like a prospector's dream come true, or worth about $1,100 a ton. All right, now, it takes money to work a mine like that, no matter how you figure it. First of all, he had a big pumping job to do. Pumping? Out there in the middle of the desert? That's right. You see, when there was just the Colorado River running down the valley, it was different. But since Davis Dam was put in to form Lake Mojave about 10 years ago, the level of the water table in that whole area is raised considerably. Oh, I see. The Midas Touch was in a low spot, and parts of it were dug pretty deep. So now, with seepage from the lake feeding it, the lower level filled up with water. Yeah. Well, now, Jake... Simmer down, Johnny. I'm getting to it. Hard luck Dennis needed money. A lot of money. So, who should he come to but the Haskell brothers? Three of my best clients. So what happened? I hate to keep chewing your ear off this way, but I've got to give you some background. Shoot. Ernie, Kevin, and George Haskell, they're money men from back east. What do you mean, money men? Brokers, you know, stock market. Oh. Yeah, they made themselves a big pile of dough, got the usual ulcers doing it, and then decided to give up and get as far away from New York as possible. I don't blame them, but about but this... But when they got out here, instead of just retiring and taking it easy, you know, much as you might like it at first, you can get pretty bored just riding around on horseback and hunting and fishing all the time. Get tired of fishing? Huh? Uh, nothing. Go on. Yeah, well, after a few months, they decided they'd have to have something to do with themselves, or at least something to occupy their minds, so they bought up the old Too Lazy Two ranch. Cattle? 80,000 acres north of Easton here, not very good grazing land, but enough to keep two, three hundred head of beef alive, and with Alex Bundy as their foreman, they did all right. Well, uh, now let's get down to... Gentlemen uh... ranchers, they called themselves, and that's just about what it amounted to. They built a nice house on the property, settled in it, and... Well, not much work, but just enough worry and responsibility so that time didn't hang too heavy on their hands. Now. Now? Now. All their insurance is with my company. The straight life, that is. 500000 apiece. And you're afraid something's going to... Yes, gonna... sir. Half a million each and double indemnity. Wow. 
A million apiece in case of death by accident. Right. Accident. So, let's get back to hard luck Dennis. Well, that part's easy, isn't it? Is it? Sure. Dennis needs money to open his mine. The Haskell boys are obviously loaded. Right. First off, even before he got his lease, he tried to sweet-talk him into putting up some money, but... After years of fooling around with those bulls and bears in Wall Street, they were too smart for that. So we took them down in the mine, let them chip off some samples of ore, and had them take it themselves down to the assay office. And was that the ore that you said tested so high? Yes, sir. And from the minute they saw the report on it, you couldn't have held them back with a 20-mule team. How much did they go in for? 20000 apiece, cash, on the strength of a handwritten agreement with Hard Luck Dennis that they'd get 30% of whatever came out of the mine. Okay, Jake, now let's get down to business. Are you afraid that something connected with this Midas touch mine and hard luck Dennis has put the Haskell brothers in jeopardy? I'm afraid it's got beyond that, Johnny. Huh? Three days ago, hard luck took the Haskells over to the mine again for another look. Yeah? Cave in. They finished digging their bodies out yesterday morning. All three of them. Hard luck Dennis? He wasn't caught in that cave in. Where is he? Who knows? Hmm. Then for you, it's a question of a $3 million payoff on the policies or a million and a half. Yep, Johnny. A question of accident or murder. Then for me, it's a matter of finding a killer. Yeah. Named Hard Luck Dennis. And when you do, look out for him. Yeah. Tell me, Jake, does anybody know I've come here to look into this? Oh, the whole town, I'm afraid. Uh, Maybe I should have kept it quiet. Well, sometimes it is better if... uh... Where are the policies? Oh, uh... Oh, here, I'll, I'll get them for you. They're right in this little side office. Who are the beneficiaries? There's only one. The girl that is, or that was, married to Kevin Haskell. The other two are bachelors. She lives at the ranch. She filed a claim yet? No. Has, uh... Well, can you make the coroner's reports available to me? Anytime you want. I'll take it for you. Johnny Dollar. I mean, this is the office Dollar. of... You're the one I want to talk to. Huh? You heard me. I want you to meet me... Alone. Oh, who are you? Tell you when and where in a second. Don't come carrying a gun, because, mister, I can outdraw you two to one. Who is this? They call me Hard Luck Dennis. Oh, you planning to add another murder to that of the Haskell brothers? Thirteen miles out of Kingman on the highway east. Little side road to the right, Mark Yucca Trail. Now listen. Mile and a quarter on, you'll see an old miner shack. Be there at three o'clock sharp. And what if I decide Remember to... what I told you? Bring somebody with you or try anything funny and you'll never get out of this desert alive. Hello. that call for me, Johnny? No. No, it wasn't, Jake. Hmm? But I wonder why a killer would call me. <laughs> Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Kingman, Arizona, to the Greater Southwest Insurance and Liability Company. Following is a report of expenditures during my investigation of the Midas Touch matter. Jake Kessler, local representative for Greater Southwest Insurance and Liability, had laid it out pretty clearly. The three Haskell brothers, prosperous gentlemen ranchers, had taken out life policies totaling a million and a half dollars double indemnity. Which meant that their death in what was supposed to look like an accident at the bottom of the Midas Touch mine could cost Southwest a cool three million. And the finger of suspicion pointed straight at one hard luck Dennis, prospector and promoter. It was in Jake Kessler's office that I'd received a phone call from hard luck. Where did hard luck tell you to meet him, Johnny? Oh, uh, I'll find it all right. 
Where? Look, uh, I think I'd better handle this alone, Jake. Johnny, he's being hunted by every available policeman here in Kingman. He's a killer. Like I told you, he got 20000 apiece from the Haskell brothers' cash. Then took him down to the Midas Touch and caved it in on him. All right, even supposing that he did, why would he do it? Well, daggone it, that's as obvious as those two heads you're wearing. The mine is worthless. How do you know? Because smarter people than him gave it up over 20 years ago. I thought you told me the ore samples he brought out are saved at $1,100 a ton. Oh, now, look, Johnny, you know as well as I do that there's more ways to salt a gold mine than there is to skin a cat. You have any proof that Hardluck salted that one? No, but Tad Harding will. Oh? Captain Tad Harding, please. He hasn't lived out in this country all his life for nothing. Where's Harding now? At the Midas Touch. But when he gets back here, you see him. He'll show you that I'm right. Well, if you are, it certainly would point the finger at hard luck Dennis, wouldn't it? Can't you understand, Johnny? Hard luck needed money. He's always needed money. He sold at that mine, got 60000 from the Haskells on a lick and a promise, then caved in the mine on him before they could get wise to him. Good theory. You'll find it's a fact. That's why he skipped out as soon as he... Oh. Yeah. Yeah, he couldn't have skipped very far, could he? And if he were guilty, why would he want to see me? All right, Johnny. Now, listen to me. The Haskells were three of our finest citizens. So the whole town will cooperate with you. So don't do anything foolish like meeting that hard luck Dennis alone. That willingness to cooperate includes you, Jake? You know it does. I'll do anything. All right, then just give me your word you won't tell anyone that I'm meeting hard luck. Well, now, Because if you do, I'll drop this case like a hot potato. Hmm. Well? Okay, Johnny, for the time being. Okay. I uh, just noticed out the window. Tad Harding's car just pulled up in front of police headquarters. Then what are we waiting for? Let's go. Captain Tad Harding turned out to be a tall, well-built, cool-headed man of about 40 who impressed me as being able to cope with any situation that might arise. He bore out everything Jake Kessler had told me about the Haskells and about Hardluck. And he added two new and very important bits of information. One, that he'd found nothing whatsoever to indicate that the Midas touch had been salted. On the contrary, he'd picked up some very rich chunks of ore. Two, he'd learned the probable cause of the cave-in and what it meant. I told you it was murder, Johnny. I told you. Tad Harding had found a length of wire rope, one end wrapped around the spool of a powerful hand winch. The other end had very obviously been tied around a pillar, a thick pillar of rock and gravel that had been dug around so as to leave support for the ceiling of a horizontal shaft. Jake and I walked back to his office. That's it, Johnny. No doubt about it. No doubt. A few quick turns of the handle on that winch, the pillar came down and the roof caved in. I'll have to admit it certainly looks that way. Well... At least the company's off the hook for a million and a half of the insurance. If we can prove that somebody operated that winch while the Haskells were down there. Now, now, look, And Johnny, that means I... finding that person. I'm satisfied it was murder. Would the courts be? The courts? Sure. When the claims on these policies are filed, they'll be for three million on the basis of double indemnity for accidental deaths. You can bet your last penny on that. Claims haven't been filed yet, have they? Oh, no. Well, I hope we'll have time before they are... Time. To prove it was murder by producing the murderer. You, uh, you still plan to see and talk to hard luck, Dennis? Yep. Alone? Yep. When? 
Sometime soon. When, Johnny? Tell you all about it after I've seen him. Johnny, it's dangerous. Say, uh, look, if I'm going to stay at that place you told me about over at Lake Mojave, I may as well go and get settled, huh? How do I get there? I'll drive you over, Johnny. No point in that. I've got my rented car. Well, you'll probably want to be seeing the mine, too. Maybe I can be of help to you. Or maybe you just want to be present if I happen to keep a date with Hard Luck Dennis. Now, I didn't say that. You didn't need to. Jake, I want you to stay right here in Kingman so you can keep in touch with whatever the police dig up and still be in touch with me. There's a phone at the Lake Mojave Resort, isn't there? Well, sure, Johnny. Also, but I don't did... forget that $3 million claim may be filed here at your office any minute. If so, I want to know about it. Now, how do I get to Lake Mojave? Head east on Highway 68, he said. So I did. And 13 miles out of town, I found the little side road, Yucca Trail, that Hardluck had described over the phone. The next mile and a quarter was about the worst driving I ever encountered. This was nothing but an old wagon trail. Several times, the crankcase and rear axle scraped on boulders in the middle of it. The trail had dropped off sharply from the highway, and as far as I could see, there was nothing but sun-baked rock and gravel of the Mojave Desert, splotched here and there with withered sagebrush, tumbleweed, some weirdly shaped Joshua trees, an occasional yucca plant with its stalk poking upward like a huge candle, and too many kinds of cactus to mention. All of it surrounded by bleak needles and crags of rock by high plateaus and mesas. The going got so bad, I'd almost decided to get out and walk when I spotted the old miner's shack that Hardluck had named as our meeting place. As I approached it, I could see no sign of life around it. Hello? Anybody here? Hardluck Dennis? Hello? Nothing. No one. No sign of life at all. Huh? The sudden movement at the corner of the shack was nothing but an ancient desert turtle plodding at what he probably thought was breakneck speed toward a shady spot under a sagebrush. Hello? Hard luck! Anyone inside there? Hmm. <laughs> well... That's not... Huh? What? Should have looked round back at this shack right. Go and reach for anything, mister. Hard luck. Dolly? Yes. Yeah. You come alone, like I said? I don't see anybody else around. Stand real, stare, Dolly. Don't move. No gun. That's smart. Sit down there on that bench. Sure. Now, what's this all about, Hardluck? I didn't do it. That's what it's all about. I didn't do it. I didn't kill the Askell boys. You understand that? I didn't think you did. No. Why not? Because if you had, I think you would have skipped the country. You wouldn't have asked me to come here and talk to you. That's right. That's right, Dollar. Are you just trying to soften me up? Not much point in that, is there, with you holding a gun on me? If you didn't do it, Hardluck... Why don't you go to the police in Kingman and tell them that? I wouldn't have a chance. Judge or jury, anything else. The whole town's against me. They made up their mind I did it so the best lawyer in the country couldn't save me. Apparently the whole town thought a lot of the Haskell brothers. Surely they had fine men. That's why I picked them to share the mine with me. The only reason you picked them was because they had money and you know it. Yeah, like all the rest. Didn't you see the ore they took out of the Midas touch? I heard about it. Rich, rich ore. Twelve, fifteen hundred dollars a ton. And I didn't plant it there. It's been there all the time. Even Captain Harden couldn't find where I'd sorted it because I didn't. Oh, 
You know that he was out there. Sure I do. I know everything that goes on in this desert. All right, then, look. Suppose you put down that gun and tell me what happened the day the mine caved in on the Haskells. You bet I'll tell you. That's why I called you. But I won't put down this gun until I'm sure you're on my side. Well, then wave it in some other direction. You want to hear what I got to say? Then sit still and listen to me. First tell me this. Was it murder? It was murder. Then who... But not by my hand. Then who did it? Do you know? Yes, yes, I know. Who? Uh, they wanted to see the mine again, get some more samples. That was last Friday. The day of the cave-in. Yes, yeah, so I took them down there, gave them a pick, showed them where to chip it off down on the second level. Go on. But then I left them there for a minute. Why? I heard a car, heard a car pull up, so I went back out, went back to see who it was. There wasn't supposed to be anybody around that mine. I had it posted. But I'd heard this car pulling up. Well, go on, go on. So I left the Haskells below and went you on. You said that. Uh, in a hurry, I went. No time for my eyes to get used to the bright sunlight outside. All I saw was the car. When I stuck my head out, that's when it hit me. What do you mean? When what hit you? A rock, a club, or something. I, and it knocked me out. When I come to, the cave-in was all over. The Haskells were dead in there. And I knew what everybody would think, so I lit out, stayed in the desert. Well, do you know who it was who hit you? Sure, by the car. Who? The same one that made the cave-in. Who? Dollar. It was... Listen... There's somebody coming out there. You cheated me. You brought him. No, no, I did not. Hard luck. Get away from the door. Duck! Hard luck. Hard luck. Yeah, I guess they named you right. Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, the so-called trackless desert yields a set of tracks that lead straight to... But if I told you, you'd know, wouldn't you? So join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote this week's story. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking.
Welcome back. This is an important episode for yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Bob Bailey's performance brought a lot of humanity to the role of Johnny Dollar. But this episode does more to make Johnny a three-dimensional character with just a couple really important things. First, it gives Johnny a hobby he's passionate about, truly interested in. I love that scene where Johnny was incredulous that there could ever be such a thing as too much fishing or getting tired of fishing. Most radio detectives effectively live to work, except those that came from a literary tradition such as Nero Wolf. Outside of that, they didn't have consistent hobbies or passions outside of their work. Second, this story marks the introduction of Lake Mojave Resort. In this serial, he meets people who would become friends and be recurring characters for years to come. While we'll talk more about the real-life basis for this location... On Friday, it's clear that Johnstone had a real affection for this rugged and beautiful country and that he put it into the script and Bailey really brings to life beautifully with his narration. While other detective shows had advantages in terms of better mysteries, more running time, uh, etc., what ultimately made Bailey's Johnny Dollar stand out after the end of the serial era is that there's a feeling that he's a real man with real, consistent passions, interests, and real friends in places that he loves, rather than so many other detectives who tended to be a lot more functional. You know, you have a friend show up so that the friend can be killed or accused of murder or something like that. As to the case itself, the only thing I'll comment on here is that it's really odd to bring out one of the country's best insurance investigators for his perspective and act like it's an open and shut case with only one possible interpretation of events. If that were the case, Johnny wouldn't be there. Part of the strength of an outside investigator is his ability to look at a case with fresh eyes. So, Jake should let Johnny do his job. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and over on YouTube, uh, Glamazon uh, writes, Indestructible Mike was made into a gangbusters episode. Thanks for the comment. Uh, It was actually a case where there was a gangbusters episode, uh, a television episode, I should say, to be clear, called The Durable Mike Malloy, which was based on the real-life incident that inspired the Yours Truly Johnny Dollar episode. That episode aired in 1952. So, who knows, it may have been something that Jack Johnstone watched and could have indirectly inspired the episode, although we don't have any information to indicate that was the case. It, it again, does show the endurance of the Mike Malloy story. Daryl writes, Howard McNear, a.k.a. Indestructible Mike, was an incredible actor. Indeed he was. 
Nova Brilliant writes, I love this episode. And over on Spotify, Susan says, love Johnny Dollar. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate your comments. Now, there are a couple of questions that I got. I don't want to read out the specific message, but I do want to address kind of a a question or issue behind them. Now, I've gotten emails from folks who are concerned that the podcast is not up. Now, I've even received emails from people who just assumed that I someday decided, you know, I'm just not going to upload an episode or I forgot, which doesn't really happen. There were times in the past where we would have issues that were honestly caused by me when I was self-hosting the podcast files where I'd make a clerical mistake and something wouldn't load up. Now that we've been hosting the podcast on Spreaker these past three years, that doesn't really happen anymore. I have had cases where there might be a few hours delay because I made a typo in setting the release date. But uh, in terms of any long delays, that generally doesn't come from our end. Uh, There are generally two issues that will cause this. Now, one thing, it's not particularly common, but it might be, it may be an issue with your own setup. It may be that the version of the podcast software you downloaded is out of date. Or it may be that they've updated the software and it will no longer work on an older device. Or there was some error. And that can happen occasionally. The other thing that I'm starting to see a bit more common is that there will be some random software issue with the company that you get your podcast software from. A couple recent examples of this is that I noticed a drop in downloads on the old-time radio snack wagon in uh, people who were downloading the podcast in India, which is noticeable because India is actually our second most popular uh, country for that podcast. And it turned out that an Indian uh, podcast software that I submitted it to had stopped updating the podcast feed. And we had to send an email to support and work through that to get that corrected with them. And then recently, TuneIn, for about three days, didn't update our podcast feed, even though we were posting episodes every day. And I sent an email to them and got that corrected. Now, one of the challenging things with podcasting is that there is a whole lot of different podcast software that people use to access podcasting. And in one way, that's great. I don't like the idea of one software cornering the market. The challenge is that I really cannot monitor every single uh, podcast uh, software to make sure they're updating every single podcast feed. So if you are subscribed to us and you don't receive an expected podcast, particularly if you get to the next day, like you were expecting a Johnny Dollar episode on Friday, it's Saturday and you still don't have anything, 
then first of all, you can check the website at greatdetectives.net. Make sure that I got the podcast posted. And if I do, then I would you know, send a message to your podcast uh, company, for lack of a better term, if you're able to locate that. If for some reason, you know, they don't have a help button that you're able to find, email me and say, you know, I'm on this, you know, company's uh, software and it's not updating and I will check into it and reach out to them. Uh, That's not preferable because it's going to take me a little while probably to get to the computer And, you know, if you know an apparent way to reach them, then that's going to be quickest because the less people involved, the better. But my thing here is if there's an issue with the software you're using, uh, that we get it resolved so that everyone can get the podcast as quickly as possible. And the other question was around social media, in particular uh, threads. The relatively new service from Meta, the parent company of Facebook and Instagram. My general stand on adding any new social media is if I have to. We have a long-standing page on a Twitter account and an Instagram account we've been working on for a few years. And I know that to some folks, what social media that you're on reflects some sort of political loyalties. For me, it's a combination of just engaging listeners and promoting the podcast. And honestly, I've not seen data indicating that other social media are particularly helpful for building podcasts. And so for me to get any new sort of social media... It really has to make sense from a business perspective, particularly since I don't have anyone doing my social media, and so it'd be time going from somewhere else. So, uh, for anyone that's curious about that, I hope I answered the question. Well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to thank Tom. Tom has been one of our Patreon supporters since January 2021. Currently supporting the podcast at the shameless level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Tom. And that will do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. Be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download it from. We will be back on Friday with the conclusion of this week's Yours Truly Johnny Dollar serial. But join us back here... Tomorrow for Dangerous Assignment, where... A few seconds later, the curtain is behind the desk part, and a long, slender gent in a frock coat steps out. He folds his claw-like hands together and glides towards me. Good evening, my nail. Hi. I mean, (laughs) good evening. I'd like to see Dr. Minder. Your name is... Mitchell. Steve Mitchell. The next room, please. I don't turn around when the door clicks softly shut behind me. I just stare at the casket at the far end of the room. The casket is empty. Surprise number one. Surprise number two follows a second later. A gun nestles in the small of my back. Do not move. The identification. Place it on the casket. Sure. There you are. Thank you. Don't mention it. <coughs> Drop the gun. Drop it. <coughs>
I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.